0: The Brethren, A Tale of the Crusades, by H. Rider Haggard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Abigail Rasmussen, April 2012. The Brethren, A Tale of the Crusades, by H. Rider Haggard. Author's Note and Prologue. Two lovers by the maiden state, without a glance of jealous hate. The maid her lovers sat between, with open brow and equal mien. It is a sight, but rarely spied, thanks to man's wrath and woman's pride. Scott Author's Note Standing a while ago upon the flower-clad plain above Tiberias, by the lake of Galilee, the rider gazed at the double peaks of the hill of Hattin. Here, or so tradition says, Christ preached the Sermon on the Mount, that perfect rule of gentleness and peace. Here, too, and this is certain, after nearly twelve centuries had gone by, yusuf saladin whom we know as the sultan saladin crushed the christian power in palestine in perhaps the most terrible battle which that land of blood has known thus the mount of the beatitudes became the mount of massacre whilst musing on these strangely contrasted scenes enacted in one place there arose in his mind a desire to weave as best he might a tale wherein any who are drawn to the romance of that pregnant and mysterious epoch when men by thousands were glad to lay down their lives for visions and spiritual hopes could find a picture however faint and broken of the long war between cross and crescent waged among the syrian plains and deserts of christian knights and ladies also and their loves and sufferings in england and the east of the fearful lord of the assassins whom the franks called old man of the mountain and his fortress city of the great-hearted if at times cruel saladin and his fierce saracens of the rout at hattin itself on whose rocky height the holy rood was set up as a standard and captured to be seen no more by christian eyes and of the last surrender whereby the crusaders lost jerusalem forever of that desire this story is the fruit prologue saladin commander of the faithful the king strong to aid sovereign of the east sat at night in his palace in damascus and brooded on the wonderful ways of god by whom he had been lifted to his high estate. He remembered how, when he was but small in the eyes of men, Nuruddin, king of Syria, forced him to accompany his uncle, Shirku, to Egypt, whither he went, like one driven to his death, and how, against his own will, there he rose to greatness. He thought of his father, the wise Ayub, and the brethren with whom he was brought up, all of them dead now save one and of his sisters whom he had cherished most of all did he think of her zobide who had been stolen away by the knight whom she loved even to the loss of her own soul yes by the english friend of his youth his father's prisoner sir andrew d'arcy who led astray by passion had done him and his house this grievous wrong He had sworn, he remembered, that he would bring her back, even from England, and already had planned to kill her husband and capture her when he learned her death. She had left a child, or so his spies told him, who, if she still lived, must be a woman now, his own niece, though half of noble English blood. Then his mind wandered from this old, half-forgotten story, to the woe and blood in which his days were set, and to the last great struggle between the followers of the prophets of Jesus and Mohammed, that jihad, holy war, for which he made ready, and he sighed, for he was a merciful man who loved not slaughter, although his fierce faith drove him from war to war. Saladin slept and dreamed of peace, IN HIS DREAM A MAIDEN STOOD BEFORE HIM. PRESENTLY, WHEN SHE LIFTED HER veil, HE SAW THAT SHE WAS BEAUTIFUL, WITH FEATURES LIKE HIS OWN, BUT FAIRER, AND KNEW HER SURELY FOR THE DAUGHTER OF HIS SISTER, WHO HAD FLED WITH THE ENGLISH KNIGHT. NOW HE WONDERED WHY SHE VISITED HIM THUS, AND IN HIS VISION PRAYED ALLAH TO MAKE THE MATTER CLEAR. Then, of a sudden, he saw this same woman standing before him on a Syrian plain, and on either side of her a countless host of Saracens and Franks, of whom thousands and tens of thousands were appointed to death. Lo, he, Saladin, charged at the head of his squadrons, scimitar aloft, but she held up her hand and stayed him. "'What do you hear, my niece?' he asked. I am come to save the lives of men through you, she answered. Therefore was I born of your blood, and therefore I am sent to you. Put up your sword, king, and spare them. Say, maiden, what ransom do you bring to buy this multitude from doom? What ransom and what gift? The ransom of my own blood freely offered. AND HEAVEN'S GIFT OF PEACE TO YOUR SINFUL SOUL, O KING. AND WITH THAT OUTSTRETCHED HAND SHE DREW DOWN HIS KEEN-EDGED scimitar UNTIL IT RESTED ON HER BREAST. SALADIN AWOKE AND MARVELED ON HIS DREAM, BUT SAID NOTHING OF IT TO ANY MAN. THE NEXT NIGHT IT RETURNED TO HIM, AND THE MEMORY OF IT WENT WITH HIM ALL THE DAY THAT FOLLOWED, BUT STILL HE SAID NOTHING when, on the third night, he dreamed it yet again, even more vividly. Then he was sure that this thing was from God, and summoned his holy imams and his diviners, and took counsel with them. These, after they had listened, prayed, and consulted, spoke thus. O Sultan, Allah has warned you in shadows that the woman, your niece, who dwells far away in England shall buy her own nobleness and sacrifice in some time to come, save you from shedding a sea of blood, and bring rest upon the land. We charge you, therefore, draw this lady to your court, and keep her ever by your side, since if she escape you, her peace goes with her. Saladin said that this interpretation was wise and true, for thus also he had read his dream. Then he summoned a certain false knight who bore the cross upon his breast, but in secret had accepted the Koran, a Frankish spy of his, who came from that country where dwelt the maiden, his niece, and from him learned about her, her father, and her home. With him and another spy who passed as a Christian palmer, by the aid of Prince Hassan, one of the greatest and most trusted of his emirs, he made a cunning plan for the capture of the maiden, if she should not come willingly, and for her bearing away to Syria. Moreover, that in the eyes of all men her dignity might be worthy of her high blood and fate, by his decree he created her, the niece whom he had never seen, princess of Baalbek, with great possessions, a rule that her grandfather Ayub and her uncle Isidin had held before her. Also he purchased a stout galley of war, manning it with proved soldiers and with chosen men-at-arms, under the command of the Prince Hassan, and wrote a letter to the English lord Sir Andrew Darcy and to his daughter, and prepared a royal gift of jewels, and sent them to the lady, his niece, far away in England, and with it the patent of her rank." her he commanded this company to win by peace, or force, or fraud, as best they might, but that without her not one of them should dare to look upon his face again. And with these he sent the two Frankish spies, who knew the place where the lady lived, one of whom, the false knight, was a skilled mariner, and the captain of the ship. These things did Yosef Saladin, and waited patiently till it should please God to accomplish the vision with which God had filled his soul in sleep. End of author's note and prologue